Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Anatomy of Movie. We're talking Ghostbusters of the reboot. It's called Ghostbusters Answer the Call, and we're doing just that on Anatomy of Movie. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. We have... We have kind of a makeshift panel today, only because uh, most of our crew is over at Comic-Con, but that doesn't mean they're unfamiliar faces. You guys know Stephanie Wanger. Hi! She's become quite the regular, and if you saw our BFG Anatomy of a Movie, you know Caroline Faraday. Hello there. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, it's like a nearly all-female thing that we're doing here. Maybe. Except we also have Zach Wilson in the booth. The voice of doom, if you guys follow Popcorn Talk very closely. So it's it's balanced. Two females, two males. I Which am, one of you two here. gets to be Chris Hemsworth? Mm-hmm. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pretend to be dumb. Ow. I feel like that hurts. <laughs> For the first time ever, being compared to Chris Hemsworth is a painful... It's like a mean Think of it this way. Say. You have good acting chops. Yeah, I'll take there you that. go. <laughs> um, all right. So, as a couple of things, obviously we're uh, spoiler filled. We assume that you've seen the movie. So, if you don't mind the spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie, then by all means. But uh, this is designed for people who have seen the movie and want to talk about it. Number one, number two, you can download our rundown of notes so you can follow along in the description. Um, it's also got interesting facts that we might not always get to. You know, it's just there to supplement. Classic spoiler about. on this one: they're dead all along. That's right. That's right. So let's start with overall thoughts. Let's start with uh, let's start with Caroline. Um, I went into this movie expecting to not really like it all that much. To be honest with you, the reviews aren't great. It had so much negative press, and I wholeheartedly loved it without any bit of of, of, of me not like like I loved it. Mm-hmm. I laughed. It's warm. It's Funny, it's charming. I uh, I love the girls in it. I love Chris Hemsworth in it. Just a little moment for him in that. Um, it's really uplifting. It's really feel good. Um, everything about it, I thought was just rocking. To be honest with you, uh, and I'm done. Goodbye. I've just got nothing but good to say. There you go, Stephanie. I, I agree with you. I had heard all the naysayers kind of complain about this movie. I feel like there have been like comments about the cast of this movie and the casting of it from for over a year now and I walked in kind of not knowing what to expect and really enjoyed it um it's what you kind of want from a summer blockbuster it's a complete popcorn movie um but really enjoyable and just a fun fun to watch yeah yeah you know I will say like leading up to this there the negativity that surrounded this it didn't quite make sense to me because there's there's things that I see like when when I saw Batman v Superman leading up to that I was like this isn't gonna be good, is it? <laughs> you just, you just—I don't know. For me, I had that feeling, and this, I was like, what? I don't understand why people are making this out to be the world's worst movie. Like, it doesn't look that bad. I did think the trailer, you know, the trailers that were put out could have been much, much better, and I don't think they were reflective of what the movie ends up being. So, uh, I, I think they did just unfortunately a bad job with that. But apart from that, I could see like, okay, the, I could see the nuggets of what this movie would be and that it could be great and uh overall it it was you know and and i'm glad there wasn't we joked you joked about chris hemsworth and he was kind of a small love interest but they didn't do the um the bill murray type love interest and they didn't play it beat for beat 
um, as the original, and so I appreciated that kind of going away to it. And then, you, of course, you had the Easter eggs, which uh, which was fun. But um, also, we can't talk about this movie until we get. I, I feel like we the audience deserves to know kind of our history with Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um. So why don't we? Oh, before Zach, we even start that, how Zach, could you? I forgot about Chris uh, in the booth. <laughs> Um, I mean, this movie, for me, I, w- I tried to go in with as much measured expectations as I can. As you said, the trailers sort of had me... It, it started it off in a bad place because the trailers were not good. Um, they highlighted some moments of just poor comedy. And for me, that was sort of like the what happened with the movie. There was a lot of great in there. There was also a lot of bad in there. And it sort of went, it sort of split the movie where there were moments I absolutely loved and want to rewatch again and again and again, and then there are movies I want to forget and wish I could just completely leave out of the movie, and that's why it wound up it wound up a mixed bag. It just it wasn't the it wasn't solid overall, um, but it was enjoyable. Um, I don't think it necessarily succeeded in being everything that it could, but it was fun and it set up a good franchise. And I really like the characters more than anything else. I love the the cast, for the most part. There's a few exceptions. But I want to see more with this squad of Ghostbusters. Well, all right. Um, And, yeah, so let's talk about the history of Ghostbusters as it relates to each person individually. Well, obviously, I know know and love the original. Um, And... Who doesn't really? Who didn't grow up watching Ghostbusters and and you know every weird school discos in my country? What do you call them? <laughs> school uh, proms? I don't yeah, know. Dances? Like, dances? Yeah, maybe yeah. it's like a like. But do you have like a band or did you have like a DJ come and play DJ music? DJ normally, right? DJ. You give or take, yeah. yeah. Ghostbusters at the school disco. It's fairly legendary getting to do that. <laughs> Who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters. You know, since I was. Very short. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's so much part of your cut. You only got to hear that opening bars like you did then. And, like, for me, that was such an uplifting moment in this movie where they where they brought that theme music in at the start. And I was like, ah, this feels comfortable. It feels really nice. Like, it's got that lovely familiarity of having so much charm and nostalgia from, from it being a childhood movie for me um, that I just loved. But, you know, I, I'm not anti there being remakes and reboots of things and I know a lot of people are but you know things change and movies start to look dated whether it's from the cars they drive to the technology they're using Adele's flip phone you know like just silly little things that where you're like actually it does look good to freshen a movie up and and just give it a a fresher take after 30 odd years so I I mean you know I think it did the the original justice and didn't didn't fair enough they sat well together for me yeah, I hadn't seen Ghostbusters since I was a kid, I want to say 10 years old maybe. Um, and so for me it was really fun to kind of, it felt really um, fresh because I, I hadn't seen it in so long. And then to have, I loved the um, gender reversal, having the all-female cast. I know there was a lot of comments about it, but I thought it was a way to make it new and, and something different for 2016. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, for, for me, I actually like the second one better than the first one, um, and I've probably seen that one a lot more times, but I did enjoy the first one, and uh, a, a year or so ago, they were replaying, I, I think for the 25th anniversary specifically, they were putting Ghostbusters in theaters again, uh, and I got a chance to see it with Marissa, and uh, it was 
you know, it, it still held up. Like it, it was, I, you know, I, I don't know if like if I saw it for the first time, if I, you know, I'd have the same reactions. But it was great to see it on an actual movie screen, which I hadn't gotten to do. Um, you know, and and so this, you know, I got I got the inside humor, and that was fun, and and it lived up ultimately. For me, Ghostbusters, I, I've seen that movie so many times over the years. Um, I grew up playing with the toys. Uh, wanting to be a Ghostbuster, like they put out the Ghostbuster video game a few years ago, and I was like, day of release, buying that. I'm a, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. Um, I, I like the second movie. I don't know why everyone hates on it. Uh, I think that the originals still hold up. I think the first one uh, doesn't have, other than like, yeah, the, it's the 80s, so they don't have cell phones. But other than that, I, I still think the visual effects, because largely in it, because they're practical, still hold up years later. Um, other, and like, so, so the film quality, you can tell it's not a modern film. But other than that, it's still incredibly watchable. There's not too many dated references in it. it it's a good movie. Um, it's like that's sort of the fun of it. Is it just it's solid? It holds up. It, you can rewatch it again and again. And as you grow, as I grew up, like it, it's a different film than it was when I was a kid. Uh, you start because you got up. all the dirty humor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's dirty humor. Oh, that's uh, the blowjob scene? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah come that's on. <laughs> I didn't understand what that meant, that his belt was getting undone, but I do now. There you go. Um, well, we're not going to teach you what that means, so if you don't know, mm-hmm. you don't know. Uh, so it's yeah. not that kind of show, is it? It's not that sort of anatomy. Yeah. Not that anatomy. No, not indeed. Um, you know, and forever since the second one, right, There, you know, Zach kind of touched upon it, there is somewhat of a hatred towards the second one unfortunately um people kind of say it's like beat by beat but just not as good as the original and then so that hindered a lot of the the whatever the third one could have been because there was always talks about will you guys get back together and whatnot um and then uh, stephanie you kind of found some info that there was they were very close but not quite there yeah exactly so Dan Aykroyd I think has been like tossing around this idea of this third Ghostbusters movie um, and they were going to travel to like an alternative uh, crazy universe of but still New York City um, and it's actually I was supposed to have a 150 million dollar budget and this movie I want to say something like 144 million I yeah, yeah. Um, and so but that was uh, in the 90s. So actually this movie with everything with the economy the way it is actually costs less um, to make than his concept for the third film. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it just, it just never took off in that way. And then things really halted when um, when Harold Ramis, uh, you know, tragically passed away. And uh, we did a tribute to him, if you guys want to check it out, on Anatomy as well. Um and then, yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole notion of, like, is there going to be another one it just kept being unanswered, and then, lo and behold, comes comes the Paul Feig one. I feel like it's the only practical way they could have done it, because the original actors obviously just can't play those roles anymore. Um, and, you know, you'd have to go in fresh and say, how can we do this fresh? How can we go in? And, you know, the, the, the notion of having three strong, independent females as the leads in that role and that not being clunky it not feeling like they've done this kind of deliberately awkward you know what I mean they just kind of over tried 
like it feels a bit patronising. It's not. They're really solid and, and like, quirky and just enough, you know, like, very real nice characters, I thought. I agree. I think the casting of this movie, um, finding the chemistry between these four women, if you didn't get it right, this movie would be absolutely terrible. And they did get that, for me anyways. I thought the chemistry between the four, you believed that they could work together and they all kind of brought something to the Ghostbusters. Well, it helps that they... Uh, they obviously know each other. Yeah, they're the chemistry's all, there. Yeah, they're SNL uh, people, and and you know, Paul. They've worked with Paul Feig certainly. Um, you know, on Bridesmaids. Yeah. Uh, and whatnot, and you know, he has a great quote where he says, like, if you want to be a director, go taking an acting class. And I think you can kind of get that in all of his movies that he has that passion for working with, you know, in his case, a lot of actresses and and, and letting them shine. Um, I want to go back for a second to what Caroline was saying, just about. Uh, that the the guys are too old to be in this movie because I I very much disagree and that's actually the fact that this was a complete reboot was one of the things that I didn't like about it. Um, I didn't say that they were too old. I said that they had like moved past playing that. That wasn't necessarily an age thing. I just think Bill like Bill Murray at that point was like a quirky young or he's just so well known for doing other things now that that I felt like it was like a combination of of kind of things layered in well dan Aykroyd was the one who most i think wanted to do this movie he's the one that's been pushing it for years uh ernie hudson was in i think bill murray was the one who uh he he, apparently he had a falling out with dan Aykroyd, as i understand it and he didn't want to work with him specifically and that's why it didn't get pushed forward yeah i've heard i've heard those rumors i'm trying to think um i never got any specifics on that either um it just kind of is what it is and not, he didn't fess up to you when it was about. He didn't take you aside and be like, Look, did not. Dan is driving me crazy right now. No? You didn't get that call? Uh, no, I mean, I, I remember Dimitri kind of talking about it um, oh, in our Harold Ramis one, and we, we we kind of answered it there a little bit, I think. But not there's not... It's all just speculation, ultimately. Yeah. Little fly on the wall. I love, yeah. a good, I love a good celebrity spat. Yeah, I don't think there were any quotes, though, from the guys talking no. about it. It's just, like, kind of one of those things that's been rumored in Hollywood for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. You know, in terms of that... I agree. I agree with Caroline in the sense that I, I don't necessarily need to see these guys back in their role. I would have, I would have accepted a movie with these four um, new Ghostbusters, but kind of picking up the reins from those guys and then kind of being there and being like, you know, if they gave them a couple of pointers, like they could still have cameos like they did in this one, but instead of playing different characters, they play themselves. If like back in our day, yeah, that's what I really would have preferred. Like, I mean, the, I know that in uh, as long as we're talking, like. If, we're getting into development. Um, there were a number of different versions of this movie bandied about. There was like the direct sequel with the main guys that that came and went. Then there was uh, a passing the torch film, which was going to be a new set of Ghostbusters. Uh, uh, there were all kinds of rumors about who it was going to be, and I I know that uh, I heard that at one point there was a script where it ended with the four original Ghostbusters like as ghosts, like sitting in the firehouse. The the new team walks in, they've all died. Uh, Peter Venkman was supposed to be the villain in one version of it. Uh, that was like Bill Murray said he wanted to play a villain uh, of a like ver- a villain character where Peter Venkman was dead and is now causing problems. Um, and those- to all ladies everywhere, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was doing that forever. Uh, well, I think it was that he wanted like Ernie Hudson, like he wanted the the other three to have to stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Also, it would just mean that he only had to go in to be on a green screen because he yeah. was a ghost. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was one I know that Sony batted around where they were going to – It was the ghost, ghost problem had gotten so big that they had to franchise out uh, Ghostbusters, and they was going to pick up with a team somewhere else in the country dealing with ghosts. And it was – so it was – Start and that to me that was the the best idea was we are starting with a completely new team and you can do all new things with them but you don't have to step on the original and say that it didn't happen. Um, the movie even had a line to to set up if they wanted to keep the original in canon with it, where they said uh, people this this happens every few years and people forget. Could have easily just combined the universes right there. Yeah, that was, I mean I, I agree with you in, the, in that sense. Uh... Because, you know, now this is the third movie where ghosts only appear in New York. Like, are there no other ghosts anywhere in the world? I um, feel like New York is almost like another character in the film, like it was in the original, though. It's all, it's so well, this integral. One, that, that, it, it is, in this one, because they filmed in Boston, and I know Boston too well, it was kind of, and I know New York pretty well too, uh, that is one of my kind of knocks on it. Like, it's, uh-huh. it's tough, you know, I get it, um, tax breaks and whatnot, but... Uh, New York. They really kind of, I felt like for the most part in this film, tried to make it, I mean, it was supposed to be New York City, obviously, but it was really, to me, came across as a nondescript city, and and I also know New York and Boston relatively well, and I could pinpoint where all that was, but they were really, I think, for the most part, trying to make it nondescript. Like, they weren't trying to be at, like, Boston, if you only know, like, Boston landmarks. They weren't showing you that. They were trying to kind of hide the fact they filmed in Boston. I like, because I would have missed that, because I just wouldn't know Boston and and New York well enough. But I know when I watch movies, when they're trying to go places in London, and I'm like, that is not the right direction. That is not there, and it is not over. Like, Paddington, when that that drove me insane, when he'd be driving the wrong way down Um, the road. And so... Yeah, that, that same thing where you're like, oh, now I'm too busy thinking about how annoying that is that they're yeah, not doing that right. But I think, you know, I mean... I mean I'm, ped- I'm pedant in that way. In that way, like, because we've, you know, with Ghostbusters 1 and 2, and, like, there's so many, like, you know, London's featured in a lot of movies, obviously, but but New York, in, in, like, uh, it's just, just such an iconic city that uh, it should have been a character. I agree with you guys, and it is, a sh- it is a slight shame that it wasn't featured in the right way. I, I agree with that. Um, but let's uh, let's get let's let's take a step back and you know we're 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 talking about the the, the group of four of them and Paul Feig and whatnot and um, one of the things I like to as I mentioned they didn't they didn't try to make them um, you know the female versions of the main characters they kind of they had the scientists and whatnot um, and then you know and then, then they had Leslie Jones' character which I I want to ask you guys this because I actually did appreciate like I thought she had a much bigger role than Ernie Hudson and you know as, as much as she isn't a scientist and some people are saying oh well that's you know she should have just been a scientist I like the fact that like okay she has a skill set that they need and don't have which is the knowledge of New York aka Boston yeah, it, like, I know there's been a lot of controversy around, like, her role in the movie, but uh, to me, I liked what she, like, did for them. She was, like, had the knowledge to understand the city and kind of how everything operated and, and really gave them that sense where they had the scientific knowledge. So she was really bringing a different 
exactly as you said, a different skill set, a different knowledge base uh, to their group. And without it, they couldn't do the job as well as they did. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed the energy of, of that character and, and really liked it. And um, Kristen Wiig, if you if you just said to me, do you want to watch Kristen Wiig stand still on a movie screen for two hours, I'd probably say, a seat, popcorn, I'm in. Like, I don't care what she's doing. Like, I love her so much. Um and uh, Melissa McCarthy is just she's comedy flowing through her veins. Does you know it's just so natural to her. Um, and I'm not a big SNL viewer, so the other two I didn't know so well. And I you know I knew they were SNL players, which is why it works so well. But um, so I guess it's like I'm going to be your international representative here and just say like those people were new to like a wider audience, and I thought it was a really really nice blend and and that it that they all worked really nicely to find their find their space yeah my only issue with uh with leslie jones i mean there was the i think the public perception of her being the only african-american member of the team and be again being the only non-scientist um but i know she picked that role like i think they offered her melissa mccarthy's role originally and she said she wanted to play patty um Hmm. Or maybe they offer it was, it was something like that, but she wanted that role. So I mean, more power to her. My only issue with it is that it's Leslie Jones playing the same character that Leslie Jones always plays, which when it's being exposed to most people, most audiences for the first time, that's great. She, it's a very funny character. Um, it's the same character she plays in pretty much every SNL sketch she's in. It's like what you see there is like what you see. Other than the specifics, obviously, of like um, what she's doing on screen and how, her backstory, but that the behavior is. It's classic Leslie Jones at this point, for SNL viewers at least. I feel like... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think, like, I had seen some of her sketches before but wasn't super familiar with her work. So for me, it was fun to see that character, but I totally understand what you're saying, Zach. Like, it, if you had seen that repeatedly, you would want something different. And I feel like Melissa McCarthy in this movie actually was showing something a little different. Like, still funny as ever, but just, like, wasn't so what she's, like, done in Bridesmaids and various other films she's been yeah. in. So I liked that. Abby Yates was, was a great... There was a lot of nuance to that character where she mm-hmm. was sort of... She had that, like, a little bit of awkward awkward that like a lot of very intelligent people have where she wasn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily say she was on the spectrum but she was very easily distracted like like the instant something else was going on she was just like whoop off into another off into her own world which is uh, I I liked watching that character um Leslie Jones just um it, she has great comedic timing she's a brilliant actress uh but she hits the same she doesn't have as big of a range or at least she hasn't shown us her range yet mm-hmm. I wonder if they could have had, like, you know when they're cutting away to the TV screens, they could have just sneakily had Kate McKinnon, like, doing Hillary on some sort of emergency sort of moment. And just, just, just a flash and then let in just the nod towards her. Yeah, so speaking of Kate, I mean, Zach, since, you know, you've seen SNL, what, what about her? Did she kind of give us something a little bit different? I mean, a lot of people are saying, like, they, you know, if you watch SNL, you've seen Kate and what she's able to bring. Now, is this something a little bit different or just now her chance to shine on a big screen. Uh, I think this is her chance to shine. I mean, she's playing... Her character is more out there. Like her, She also, just on SNL, plays more of a range of characters. She is usually a little wackier. Even mm-hmm. when she plays Hillary, she plays a little bit of a wacky version of Hillary, um, which is always fun to watch. But this was an extreme in a way that it, 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 did, it didn't feel, except for maybe a few moments, where... It didn't feel like she was like treading on old ground. 
I, I really enjoyed watching her character. She had some of the uh, most fun sequences. It, she was a, maybe a little cartoony at times for me, but overall, I, I liked that character. It feels like it's smart casting. I mean, what casting director isn't going to read the breakdown of what the character requirements are and, and what fits and say, oh, I've seen that per- person and that person is the right fit. And, and you know, that's a, that's a casting decision. Um, you know, it would it would feel natural that that you'd be like, oh, I saw her do this thing and then she would audition for it and she would, like, why wouldn't it be a fit if that's the character she plays every week on SNL? Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I saw this movie with uh, seven other people, a large group, and... Uh, everyone was freaking out about her, that she was so good in it. So, like, for me, she wasn't my personal favorite. I thought she did a great job, but just I enjoyed some of the other characters more. But seven other people I was with, like, couldn't get over her. So, I mean, she definitely, like, was noticed in the film. Let me ask you, was there a balance of heart and comedy? Because, you know, we're pointing out a lot of funny moments and things like that, but but there are some whether audiences or critics that are citing that, that there wasn't enough heart. And one of the reasons I bring that up is because uh, just recently Paul uh, confirmed that, you know, the, the, that Kate McKinnon's character was supposed to be a lesbian, but he couldn't go that route. And now, you know, he's it's very early, and so he can't be as open about it, I'm sure, as he would like to be. And, like, I think that could have been an interesting dynamic between uh, her and Abby and then also Kristen Wiig's character because she's the old friend in this. You know what I mean? I think that could have given it a little bit of weight that perhaps people are looking for. Um, By heart, do you mean was there there was no romance in it, or do you mean like it didn't not, not engage? Heart. No, no, I don't. I don't mean romance. Um, I mean like for example, when you know when when when. Um, I, I when know. It, go ahead. Zach. Yeah. Well, I, I think I know what you're, what you're saying, but I think this film did have heart. Um, there was, uh, I mean, for just with the Kate McKinnon's character, I think part of why I was more. I think she did a better job standing out from her SNL roles, even though you could see the performances carry over, is that they gave her that moment in the bar at the end where she does that, like, very emotional just toast to her friends and, like, the fact that she's happy to have a family. So we got to see in, a little more inside that character. Um, we didn't have we didn't really have that moment for Patty, and I think that's why Leslie Jones' character felt a little bit more one-note uh, because we just didn't get to know her deeply the same way we only knew her on the surface level mm-hmm. um, but I thought that between uh, that little moment with uh, with uh, Kate McKinnon and then between uh, Aaron and Abby uh, their whole friendship dynamic the fact that it was all centered around them coming back together as best friends who had fallen apart I thought that it had a lot of heart yeah um, and I, I also like the you know I, I thought there was that nice through line um Whatever of the the was it the ghost girl, meaning where you know people didn't believe um, Aaron in the beginning, and then you know obviously this is kind of like a repeated thing, just in a grand scale of all of New York not believing any of them, and now they're all involved, and that's the bond that forms between right. them. Talking about the heart of the film, I thought that it was really unlike it wasn't so much about romance or these things that you know sometimes give a movie heart if you want to say it that way um i thought that this was about female friendship and about like depending on one another and again going back to that the foursome being a great cast together and like you believe their friendship and that's what to me gave the movie heart yeah i mean for for me as well like you know i was talking about those characters not being clunky them not kind of doing like stereotype female characters that if they would have to validate those people by saying of course you're only valid as a woman because you're in a relationship and give them 
them a relationship and give them romance. For me, that would that would invalidate a lot of the great things about about the movie and about those strong female roles. So, um, if in terms of like, should there have been some romance, like that that for me was one of the greatest things about the movie was that they didn't make those you know decisions that stupid flirtation and there's this and there's just a lot of nuance with it but or bigger than nuance it's nuance it's kind of sledgehammery with chris <laughs> Hemsworth. but um well that was what i think was the most impressive that it, it managed to have heart without getting into a relationship yeah. discussion like it, it still Welcome felt like world. yeah it's yeah great. exactly it, it didn't it these characters didn't need it and it was it was fun it was a different it was something i have not seen in a movie in a long time I, I agree with that. I was reading a Washington Post article about, uh, they called it the stunt casting of Chris Hemsworth, and I'm not sure that I agree that it was total stunt casting, but I thought it was interesting to do that kind of role reversal, because you see all the time women objectified in film, and this was definitely the opposite, and they were talking about that uh, Paul does that consistently in his films. That I'm not even sure that stunt casting would necessarily be a negative. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, it is a comedy, and, it, and it's meant to be funny, and, and I- tongue-in-cheek, and to poke fun at the fact that those things because so even if like they've obviously used that meaning that in a demeaning way but like so what if it is yeah I mean like it, it was I thought I, yeah I thought it worked really well and I thought Chris did a great job he he owned that role yeah. for what it was and I think you know I, I think he has a great sense of humor about himself mm-hmm. like he knows that obviously people look at him as, as a very good looking guy and mm-hmm. like go back to him in uh vacation right like that the, he was sporting like the world's biggest johnson you know <laughs> just walking and then that's like a five minute scene and it's just fun so i i think he he understands what he's playing into and to be honest i think he might have improv some of that stuff too just to yeah, I mean, because I think it's fun to see Thor kind of in this other world. Like, and I think there's something really like interesting and cool about a, a guy who's that kind of action hero being willing to like be the secretary, and 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 he really made that his own. And I agree with you. I think that's why there's a whole group of male actors right now who are willing to kind of make fun of themselves. I think of Channing Tatum and uh, Chris Evans and these guys, and they're really willing to go there and. He's definitely a part of yeah, that. Yeah, he can he can make fun of himself that way for for hours. I would watch that was just hurrah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> was I the only one that was like super frustrated with this character? Um, I thought Chris Hemsworth did a, it was was great in the role. He was hilarious. I think the comedy, especially with the glasses. Where you just like you know, you I didn't took have them the out. glasses. Oh, that was just so lovely. Brilliant. <laughs> I was so like, brilliant. Oh, I love it. He yeah. did a great job when he had to transform into Rowan. Um, the thing that just frustrated me beyond belief is how did they not fire him? Because um, he's good looking. But, yeah. But see, that's a, that's a cheesy. That, that to me, that's not a that's not a good reason. Like I, I lost res- I lost a little bit of respect for the 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 girls like the the main cast like in because of that. Like it's one thing like okay, you're fawning over him. That's great comedy bits, but like. I would have loved to see a reason for them to keep him around when he is. He's not like he's just doing like kind of a, a not a great job. He's actively like costing them business. <laughs> to be fair, okay, so there's a goat on the. <laughs> I half agree with you, Zach, but then I also look at uh, Horrible Bosses too, and they have an entire montage, and then it kind of carries over of like you're hired, you're hired, and, and, and it's the world's worst decisions, and hence why they're horrible bosses themselves. Uh, it could have so, it could have for me been easily fixed if he was like. Abby's cousin 
or something like that, where, like, we have to keep him because he's family, not just we have to keep him because he's the only one that will work for us. Like, I, that's just, there's not enough justification. In, in terms of writing, there's not enough justification there for me. I can yeah. understand, like, the payoff wasn't there for you. Like, if he, like, saved the day in some way at the end of the film, maybe you would see, like, oh. To be fair, he thought Oh, he did. no, that would have been the worst. You can't have the guy in, in all-female Ghostbusters yeah. then, then saving the yeah, day. I, I agree. And again, yeah. he thought he did. That was the best. That's right. why so charming. Right, but I feel like maybe eventually they'll have him he'll have a more substantial, like, reason for being there. I feel like in this movie, it was exactly how it should be. Like, as more of saying. an arc. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm happy to watch that arc play yeah. out very slowly. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, compared to, like, the original movie with, uh, I, I think it was Janine, the, the secretary, where she, like, she was doing work that they couldn't do, and she, like, ran their office, and she was a great character. She was fun to watch. Chris Hemsworth just, like, it's like, why are you still here? Oh, Get see, somebody better. I still thought he was fun to watch. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd offer him a job. <laughs> uh, don't judge enough. me. I mean, judge me. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the main thing I did have a problem with was the villain of, of the whole piece. And, uh, you know, I, I forget which publication put it out there that this is like... This is a combination of all, like, the trolls and whatnot of the internet, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul Fee gave it a thumbs up on Twitter, so people are like, oh my god, this is the interpretation of what the villain's supposed to be. Um, but I just, that was the part that uh, I, I feel like we could have gone a little bit deeper in terms of why these ghosts were coming back, to, to, to just want to build an apocalypse. Maybe because it's been the summer and all we have is like apocalypse after apocalypse. <laughs> I just want something a little. I just want a different reason why we need the apocalypse. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, sad loner has aggro with the world and wants to be well known. Is is firstly slightly, I mean, a little bit too close to lots of things that kind of happen, um, but also then just felt slightly easy, I guess, because of that. So yeah, I'll, I would take that on the chin in my only criticism of this great masterpiece <laughs> of I mean, cinema. What was it? <laughs> he kept repeating it, so I'm surprised I don't know it by heart. But it's like, uh, what is it? Expand the, the three rules. Do this. Uh, open the gate, whatever the hell the thing was. Oh, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but it, yeah, he did repeat it all the time. I, I agree. I, I could have used a little more explanation, but again, when I go into a summer blockbuster, I kind of have different like things that I'm looking for than if I'm like looking at an Oscar movie. Like, this movie's not an Oscar movie, and I was kind of like, alright, cool. How can you say that? Uh, you know. Don't just break it to me that way. Really? I, I give, my summer, for me, summer movies have a high standard. I expect them to be, they can be silly, yeah. they can be like, in, like insane, and uh, if it, but I expect them to be well-developed stories um, around that. It can be stupid humor, but I expect the stories to be well thought through. Like, hey, dude, where's my car? <laughs> Best yeah. movie ever. Yeah. That was an awesome. That one won on the sky. Um, the I thought early on as well. Maybe this is just me. I just think poop jokes are like the lowest common denominator, and all of the performers in that movie and the writer are all better than that. Like, I don't mind one or two because there's some like kids you know they're obviously gonna watch it but like there was like there was some real top heavy easy poop jokes i'm like mm, 
I don't know how many poop jokes. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I, I just, I'm not big on poop that's jokes. How you, but here's the thing. I don't know. Maybe it's for this, but that, that, that does help bring in a crowd. Like, you put up a fart joke, a penis joke, or a poop joke, I'm in. I'm I, in. Okay. I think I, most I, guys I are. I was going to say, I felt 100%. Um, <laughs> really? I'm like, I would rather the visual, that lovely visual glasses I, joke. I would I, laugh far more at that than a, than a poop joke. I Why like not it, have both, though? Yeah. yeah. Well, there was both. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it didn't even <laughs> register to me though like all the poop jokes because I had seen Mike and Dave need wedding dates the week before so it was like <laughs> you're like this is low on poop jokes yeah I was like alright I can totally do this but hey, that was a great movie <laughs> which by the way check out our anatomy of it yeah exactly but it was in comparison nothing <laughs> yeah I mean obviously it's not like it's not that sort of thing I just yeah. I just think that they are higher level performers than like your average poop joke I agree with that completely Thank you. <laughs> Feels happy though. You know, <laughs> hey, I, I can agree with that, but uh, but again, I, I just think why they put it in. I think that's why they put it in. Yeah. You know, because it was you for know. You. Well, I think for guys, I mean, I you know, they might have been worried. Okay, like, are we going to get a male audience? And if and if people like me come out of it and say like, <laughs> dude, it was funny. And if it was just funny because of fart jokes and poop jokes, then okay, like no guy cares. But it's funny to them. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm so disappointed in guys right now. <laughs> Caroline, you've been doing it all wrong. I'm here to tell we you the truth. We just really like fart and poop jokes. Zach, so... are you going to save? Uh, no, he's going to tell a fart and poop joke. <laughs> I mean, the, it's a good thing you guys are in a separate room. <laughs> no, um, no, I want to leave it for but a see, while. But see, you laughed. Um, there's, there's nothing. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with some fart humor here and there. I, I, I thought the, the tape joke was funny. Um, it, it, there was a lot of great jokes in there. And that's what I was saying before, like saying before. There's a lot of great jokes in there that land, that are fresh, that are new. And then there's a lot of jokes like, that's going to leave a mark, which I wish wasn't in the movie. Because it, it, it's, it make I could... Watching this movie, I could feel the studio's hand on the script at so many points where you could see they had brought in right people to rewrite this punch it up and we don't know who we don't know who it is or, or what exa- which jokes belong to who at that point but you can tell that the studio had gone in to make to change the script stuff like that's going to leave a mark i have more respect for these writers than uh and these performers than that line that that joke was old 20 years ago uh, i don't know what it was doing in there let alone in the first trailer it- Oh, I was just going to say, like, I think Sony had, and we'll talk about sequels and all of that, but they had a lot riding on this movie, so I imagine that there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen on all of those those decisions. On any studio picture. It just, like, it's, it, it, it's, it sucks that when you can see it, when you can, like, see, that's where they did it. That's where they went from, like, a, 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 talented writer doing nuanced comedy like the or new things like the glasses joke to a joke that i remember most keenly from Spaceballs. right yeah. i think that's what i mean by the poop jokes it is that like there were there were just jokes in there that i thought everybody was better than mm. yeah so I'm, I'm inclined to like isn't, isn't that what that's what you're saying right well, I mean, to me, it's it's not as decided. Like I've seen, I can, I, I still see sometimes new fart jokes. Like I like the the leaning in, like the prank aspect of that between friends. Like mm-hmm. that was funny because it was funny not just for like the fact that they made her listen to a fart, but because of these two people pranking their friend. 
that made it funny because of the the relationships there. But the the using just an old like I got hurt and that's going to leave a mark. It just it doesn't add anything except like somebody came in and was like we need an extra joke here and they put that in yeah it's like they're counting laughs per minute exactly and and that's what happens in studio pictures they literally will count laughs per minute laughs per page yeah yeah i i I get what you guys are saying um one of the things that to me i i feel like um that that i i don't quite like in this one that the action at the end was a little bit too much and like it was great to watch and i think paul feig did a wonderful job directing it and they all were fantastic but the ghostbusters to me have always been characters that think right. you know and I, in, in this situation they it, 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 they relied more on their physical attributes which apparently they're fantastic at um versus like okay you know we, how do we do this how do we solve this chess puzzle of ghosts Right. That was definitely a topic of discussion after uh, I saw the movie with friends. And we were all talking about how I think in 2016, with the way movies are now, uh, people expect that. We we agree with you. That, or like ever, in this group I was with, we all were talking about that we, we didn't need all that action. But I think in 2016 with the way like you have so many Marvel films, all that stuff, I think people come to expect that kind of action. I also feel like that scene leads itself so neatly to there being the video game, the the <laughs> roller coaster ride, yeah. you know, the virtual reality ride at, at whichever more particular studio it should be. You know, like that scene opens opens those kind of franchising opportunities and that, you know, yeah. they want it to make money. <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, I do think that for, especially, like, if if this is going to be a female type of empowerment movie, I thought it would have been done a lot better in the sense, like, yeah, we know, like, girls can kick just as much butt as guys, but I think, I don't know, I'm willing to admit women are some definitely a lot of times smarter than men, so... I highlight that would have been cool. I liked the action, like with the the scene with uh, with Kate McKinnon's character, which I uh, I don't have the name in front of me, and so I keep calling her Kate. Jillian. McKinnon. Jillian. Uh, Hertz, Holtzman. 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 Yes. Uh, when when Holtzman like does the little action sequence in Times Square, just like taking all the ghosts down with her two guns, I loved that. That was fun to me, and I think it was. If you're going to remake Ghostbusters, twenty six. What is twenty six years since they made the last one? Uh, well, since the original, the the uh, sec the second original one came was eighty four, e- I think the original was eighty four. The second one was eighty nine. So twenty plus twenty five years after the original. Yeah. Well, no, nineteen eighty nine was twenty was twenty six twenty seven years ago. Uh, I can't count. Uh, Who the hell can? Mm-hmm. That's the scary That's part. Fifteen. Years. That was twenty seven years ago, Phil. <laughs> Let that sink in. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think you do want to do something new, and the Ghostbusters never had, partially for technological reasons, they never had that like crazy action sequence. So I liked seeing it because it was something new to the Ghostbusters franchise. Fair enough. And again, it sort of didn't uh, um, play to the gender stereotypes of saying, oh, but you could be thinking, you know, like it just yeah. went, yeah, go on, let's have them. Yeah, you know, and it was. I will say this, like you know, Paul Feig. I don't. I don't think we've ever seen this. He's not a very CGI heavy um, director, and I thought for him to pull this off in the way that he did, I thought it was fantastic. I agree. Like it really, it had good effects in it because I think that um, sometimes these kinds of things, especially with ghosts, it can get cheesy very quickly, and and it didn't feel cheesy. It felt. It fit for me. Yeah, and it had funny moments with with the balloons and whatnot. Um, 
I did want to go, sorry to kind of take it back real fast. One of the things that I thought about um, in terms of what I thought was a positive change and good for the writers, the fact of um, Aaron, where Bill Murray's character in the Vankman, in, in the original one, uh, he's a very much a skeptic, right? And though Aaron is a skeptic, she used to believe, and now she's kind of coming back to that. Whereas Vankman, you can, he, he's standing two feet away from the ghost, and he, he still doesn't believe in ghosts. <laughs> like that, but it, but it only Bill Murray to me could like pull that off. Like right, it's just but they that, paid that off perfectly. Well, they did. But in terms of this one, I like the fact that, that that there's an arc to Aaron in that way of like the reason why she stopped believing in ghosts, why why she doesn't want this book to get out there, um, which apparently is on Amazon. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that, and I now kind of want to read the book. Um, uh, but but I, I think that was a very good positive change, and now she's kind of back into it. Um. Yeah, I mean, to me, I liked also that her career was, like, part of the reason why she, like, was having trouble believing she didn't want to lose her job, and she, she just wanted to be considered legitimate, and she realized that in some capacity this could make her not as legitimate. And so it's, it was an interesting arc for her to have to to kind of get over that and realize that like she could do good through being in the Ghostbusters. Yeah, you've still got that notion of someone being quite reluctant and mm-hmm. and kind of standing back from it. But you know, once the ghost is vomited like all over you, twice, three times, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then um, you know, I mean, if if you're the one that dresses smart, that's what happens to you in a movie, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> no. Um, to go back, sorry, we're talking about gender stereotypes. But I was just thinking, actually, what I particularly liked was that you that script and and those characters could have been played by guys. They could have been played by women. They could have been played by one guy, two women. Like it wouldn't matter how you mixed it up. And that for me is like the the perfect way of breaking down those gender stereotypes. That you're not like we're writing strong, empowering women. You're right, just writing characters. They could be either. Mm-hmm. Is like for me the perfect kind of. Yeah, I, I I agree with that completely, and also I kind of love that they considered lots of once they decided that it was going to be women, they looked at lots of women. We have uh, when I was doing research, Emma Stone was considered for it, and she didn't want to be in another franchise right after Spider Man. But like they really looked at everybody. I think that it was they looked so, at Jennifer Lawrence and Rebel Wilson. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it was a wide cast net. They weren't looking at like oh we want and then they Saturday to their budget. <laughs> yeah, like we want Saturday Night Live players or oh I've worked with Melissa McCarthy before. Mm. Like it, it seemed like they went wider than that, and I always appreciate that in Hollywood. I Just, think. Go ahead, Zach. Uh, I thought. I mean, that this is the right call. Um, I think. I think putting someone like Emma Stone or Jennifer Lawrence or uh, even Rebel Wilson after like the Pitch Perfect movies, like the they're too recognizable. I think to like take on and to make this be was a true ensemble yeah. story. Um, the, the certain characters needed more a little more development here and there, but overall, like they all shared the screen and it it was better for it. We didn't, we weren't like latched on to a major, uh, superstar, like taking over this franchise. We just got to watch four people. Yeah. I mean, it did feel like Melissa McCarthy probably had something in her contract that said she had more lines and a slightly more leady role. Um, but it was, it was, it was balanced. It was more that she was then like enthusiastic and yeah. And to be fair, like, you know, I, I don't, 
hopefully this doesn't come off as an age thing, but, you know, the fact that we've seen Jennifer Lawrence and Emma Stone, like, all they ever, you know, Jennifer Lawrence has proven that she can play a little bit older, but I still don't quite fully buy it. You know, we're used to seeing them as, like, teenagers in most of the movies that we've seen them in. So I can't buy those characters, you know, Jennifer Lawrence or Emma Stone, like, with a history in college about to get tenure... You look like you just started college, let alone finished, and now are teaching. So, um, you know, I, I thought they picked it really well. And I, yeah. I believe these characters in those roles versus the other ones, I would have been like, no. They would have had to rewrite the roles a little bit to make them grad students or something like that. They, Yeah, you couldn't have had Jennifer Lawrence in, like, Chris and Wiggs' role. No. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked. I agree with you. I think that um, Melissa McCarthy kind of she's the box office draw you normally in these kinds of films have somebody who has a proven box office and it's certainly her in this film but that's not to say like the rest of the cast is great and i think they really did cast people that could do these roles rather than looking at like well jennifer lawrence and emma stone that's a fun combination we'll get them in it was like who was best for these parts speaking of melissa mccarthy you know just in a few short years the heat she got paid 2.5 million this one she got about 14 million so there's a she's something like the third or second or third highest paid female actress in the world Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me. Like I watched her on Gilmore Girls, so to see her like evolution from Suki on Gilmore Girls to to this is insane. And that's not that long. Maybe uh, maybe ten years. And she just. I mean, you know, you go down her whole list. Uh, we just did Central Intelligence. I know she has a. You know, she's mm-hmm. more of like not cameo necessarily, but a very small part, but very funny regardless. In that, um, she, we did The Boss recently, so you can check that out. She was great in that. Um, and then last summer we did Spy, which was also a fantastic. I loved Spy. Spy um, was great. Hasn't she lost a lot of weight? That really struck me when she was on screen. Like she's really slimmed down. Yeah. I don't want her to get any slimmer. No, I think she. Um, as she talked about, it was like health reasons. She she slimmed down quite a bit, and you could mm. see it on screen. I feel yeah. like in comparison to Spy last year, but she looks great regardless. Like, yeah, good for her. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's tough. For, I don't know. It's tough for me to always tell, and especially mm-hmm. with so mo- many movies of hers coming out at every single point. I know that she has like a clothing line, and I think and talked about it in regards to the clothing line that she she had lost some weight, but yeah, well, good for her. Yeah. Um, any uh, what, what are you, let's talk about some of your favorite scenes in the movie. Um, whoever wants to jump in first, let's discuss Chris Hemsworth. Um, <laughs> An hour of course. Oh, my scene. Yeah, I'm just. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get the film, uh, and then I'm going to just cut it down to the bits that Chris Hemsworth's in, and then I we're going to put it on repeat. For you. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, I think, you're right. I, I mean, you can literally search best scenes of blah blah, and, you know, nowadays everything pops up. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty. I just I laughed so much in this film. The the you know I just, it was it properly it was a it was a proper little rib hurter wasn't it and quite a lot of the scenes I thought were, were steamingly funny like I don't know maybe I have I, a low poop threshold but. I thought I, I thought it was very well paced too uh, you know it got into it really you know uh, I'd have to compare it fully to the original but like you know back in back in eighty four there was a different style to comedy there was a different pacing now everything in general is just much faster. Um, which to me isn't a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. And I thought for this movie, they paced it well. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think they also did a great job. You mentioned earlier, like, 
getting males and having a movie that appeals to everyone. I saw teenagers in my theater all the way to people my parents' age, and everyone seemed to be enjoying this movie. So I thought they did a good job of making it not so much about, oh, you had to understand the first and the second Ghostbusters, but you could come in new and really enjoy this movie. But then I'm like, so I I looked at some of these negative reviews. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I feel like they're watching like a different, either watching a different film or they're deliberately not getting it right. I know I'm joking about Chris Hemsworth, but he's good looking. Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, played by Chris Hemsworth in an ingratiating but wooden performance that sucks the comic energy out of his every scene. I didn't find the comic energy sucked out of any of Chris Hemsworth's scenes. I I saw something similar. This is the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, something similar to that. And it's so surprising because at least when I listened to kind of the reaction uh, in my theater, he got some of the biggest laughs in this movie. Like like his silly comedy, people seemed to really enjoy. I I forget where it was, and it could have just been a small thing. I don't know if it was like a bigger premiere or whatnot, but... um, they they brought in a um, couple of guys dressed in Ghostbusters outfits, and there there was reportedly um, a bunch of girls, you know, and their father was like, "Hey, look, you know, the Ghostbusters are here," and the girls are like, "No, the Ghostbusters are girls." <laughs> That's amazing. So think about like the the fact that like that exists and that will like for for this new generation this is going to be the ghostbusters and that's the way they're looking at it right you know i i think that's that's great and yeah. that funny. lovely nod at the beginning of course where they're like bunch of chicks fighting girls you know fighting <laughs> ghosts and that just lovely nod to every bad review that was written it was just a it was self-referential like, right yeah, yeah. you yeah. know especially when they, they would upload their videos and they go like, oh, look at all these negative comments you can't you can't go off i don't yeah do you think some of that was added after because i don't i don't know it, it did feel yeah i love that they acknowledged it yeah well, i don't i don't even think so i think the controversy started so early the controversy about the the all-female cast started the instant they announced it Mm-hmm. Um, like the instant people knew about it, which they would have had more than enough time to go add that into the script. Yeah. Um, I mean, just when they're reading the YouTube comments, ain't no bitches gonna like. Yeah. Like that was <laughs> no ghosts. It was a great like. Great. It was a great just acknowledgement and also just like taking it takes the air out of anyone who's gonna yeah. try to say something like that. Cause like, I no, imagine that was pro- the joke. Sorry, I was just saying. I imagine that, that probably they read that comment. That was probably a real yeah. comment on the trailer or something, and they're like, "Oh, we've got to put it in." You know, I, I'm, I, they must have done. Well, the trailer has the most. It's like crazy to think about this. It has the most dislikes of any trailer on YouTube, and like, yes, the trailer's not the best for this movie, but it's. To have the most dislikes, like that was shocking to me because I can give you twenty movies you can go dislike on YouTube <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah like it, it, that's like crazy to me. There are so many other movies that I can think of that to have the dislikes. Oh, yeah, it's ugly. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Worst film But this was right. that wasn't about like oh this is a bad movie. It was we are a fan of these of Ghostbusters, the the general franchise, and. Now, and this trailer, and that first trailer was bad. It was a bad trailer. Um, like, what? A, not even a comment on the movie. That was a bad trailer, and it showed off stuff that made the movie look bad. And since that was the first thing that they were showing, we had to assume it was them putting their best foot forward. And so it left people really worried that the movie was just going to be a complete pile of 
nothing. Yeah, and I mean, that's the tough part because, you know, uh, the director and, and stuff and the, overall the crew isn't really involved with that side of it. I mean, uh, it's early goings and I haven't actually seen Star Trek Beyond, but so far it's, it's t- Rotten Tomatoes is through the roof. And yet when that trailer first came out, everyone was like, what the hell is this garbage? Yeah. So, All the leads on that one were basically saying, like, this is not representative of our movie for Star Trek. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, that's the thing. It's like, but when you put out a trailer, the audience has to just go with what we're given. And what we were given was not, a, was not good. But this reviewer has seen the film. And, like, what's most... I'm just going to quote The Hollywood Reporter because it's just... Um, they it basically says that the four leads... The, there's a curious shortage of chemistry amongst the four leads who never quite appear comfortable as a unit despite their overlapping screen histories. Kate McKinnon fares best of all, injecting consistent freshness into her off-kilter line readings and screwy reactions. Um... Leslie Jones, despite being stuck paying a streetwise stereotype, has choice moments as Patty. Um, but there's a hole in the movie where its anchoring central friendship should be between Melissa McCarthy's Abby Yates and Kristen Wiig's Erin Gilbert, uh, a bond that bakes back, blah, 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 blah. It says there's minimal evidence of a connection in their scenes, which are often flat and sagging under the weight of dead air. Concepts, uh, concepts suffocates comedy at almost every step. Concepts suffocates. Comedy at almost every step. Apart from in that sentence, they're yeah. missing the irony of the fact that's what that's doing. Yeah. No. What concepts were like? I didn't think I mean, we were breaking ground on any new concepts. No, I was gonna say like, are they saying that they're like the idea of Ghostbusters overcame the comic? Because that's if anything, we found the opposite, right? That yeah. the comedy almost suffocated the concept. I think yeah. I might know what they're getting at because there are there are a few scenes like um, I'll use the uh, the the metal scene. Uh, see, like the band sequence as With Ozzy Osbourne, oh, yeah. yeah, the concert as yeah. like as an example. Like, I thought that was a great gag. Like the whole idea of uh, a demon ghost getting loose in a metal concert, which is where exactly. Like, I have a lot of friends who are metalheads. They would not question it for a second. They would be excited about that, uh, and that's a great gag. But they, the idea of it and the uh, and like the way that the scene played out, sort of stepped on the comedy by not playing. To the it, the char- the people in that in that theater were not playing to the top of their intelligence. As soon as they realized that that ghost was was hurting people, they uh, there should have been a panic. People should have been rushing out, and they weren't. Um, so, like the idea, like what they wanted to do in that scene, stepped on what should have been happening. Where they could have thrown an audience member, and that's when people panic and they run out. And there's a lot of comedy be had as they're trying to bust a ghost while there's people running around, but they. They just didn't play it realistically in a way, and it sort of stepped on some of what the scene should have been. But are we really going to argue that Ghostbusters should be realistic? Like that this should be a film that's based in? But a, it's not. But it's not about being realistic. Truth, yeah. It's not about being realistic to the world. You've it's create, about being realistic in the moment. Yeah, you created okay. a world where ghosts are there. People need to behave accordingly, and they, yeah. they the concert goers in that scene did not behave according to the rules. To the truth of, oh, of no, that situation. I, I do understand yeah. what you mean. Sorry, I was confusing it. Um, um, was it that we were supposed to think that they thought it was all part of the show? At first, but then at a certain point, they all realize that it's real, I think. Uh, or if they don't, then they I feel like they missed an opportunity there to have more excitement, more craziness in that sequence. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it again, but in terms of the tracking, because the, the ghost comes out and, and the lead singer, he's like, woo, this is awesome. 
So he kind of gives the go-ahead to everybody there that this is just part of the act. Um, and, you know, it isn't until a little bit later that there's any indication like, oh, this isn't part of the act. And maybe even him getting, like, tossed aside, like, again, it's, the, it's one of those things that, I don't know, you, you, uh, you'd have to fully track it. I'd love to see it again. But you, you know how in, like, certain... Like in wrestling, right? That's the best one I can use. Like there, there's things that are part of the act that look like, oh my god, you just got your head like tossed off your body. And there's other times where it's like, no, this is actually for real. Yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. in the room, if you watch it, everyone thinks it's part of the act, except for the special effects guy who they have yelling like, that's not mine. Um, and like the band doesn't r- really realize it until the the singer gets thrown into all like the stack of amps. But no, like, so, like, people have realized at that point, at least he has, that it's, that it's real. Um, but at no point does anyone switch from, like, no one makes that switch from this is real, this is fake, where this is fun, to this is real, we should be afraid. Um, but then, but then they start capturing the ghost and everyone's excited that they caught it, even though they thought at that, to that point that it was fake. So, so it's, uh, it's unclear. Keep- keep that panic back for that big final scene where you're going for like mass panic and mass drama that like actually up until then they're trying to like not have a panic scene yeah but you but you again it's just like you're not the people in that room are not behaving like human beings at that point they're behaving like characters in a movie right i did you know speaking of that i did want them to catch a couple more ghosts before we got to the ending i thought you know i think i think people are shying more and more away from montages I think if you construct a good montage, it's okay to have a montage in your movie. I, I agree with you. It just yeah. depends on what the montage is. Like I, them catching ghosts—that's the montage. Go. Yeah. Like, come but on. I, I'm not even going to argue with you. You're so passionate about it. Or just them succeeding, like the original. Like yeah. we didn't, we didn't see a ton of capturing in the original, but like we knew that they were having success and they were out doing that job. Yeah. This they went from capturing one ghost to saving the entire city. In like three days. Yeah, I, I totally hear that. You know, yeah, it it really lacked that moment of me going, well, I'm really set up and there's not a lot in there, is there? <laughs> One opened trap. Yeah, so we'll just, instead of the dance sequence, we should film the montage. Hmm. All right. Um, did we talk about the dance sequence or did we talk about no, that no, off air? No, we talked about it off air. So we should probably talk about it now. Too. Let's talk about Chris Hemsworth. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> one of the more expensive parts of this entire movie was this elaborate dance sequence, which ends up getting cut from the movie. Yeah. But to salvage anything out of it, let's just put it in the credits. Yeah. Oh, see, I was not... I understand, like that they probably should not have spent the amount that they did on this dance sequence. Like, we should have thought about this. Right. I heard but, that that like the mil- that million-dollar number got, forgive the pun, for, it got busted uh, by the studio. Oh, did it? They said that that's not true. Okay. Oh. But regardless, I think the dance sequence is super fun. Like, I enjoyed seeing it at the end. I think that if it was in the middle of the movie, though, it would be the most random thing. Like, I think they made the right call by moving it to the end. I think they made the right call by moving it towards the end. Yeah. Uh, I, my argument is that never probably should have been there to begin with. See, I it, like, it was a nice end point for me. Like, did I need it? Probably not. But, like, I didn't mind it in the credits. I think if you had it 
an hour and 20 minutes in or however i think it was about an hour and 20 minutes in uh you would you would be a huge distraction and be like why was there that dance sequence and now they're going back to fighting ghosts like because they made it so actiony as we were talking about uh i think that you need to keep the action going not have a dance sequence oh it's the only bit the hollywood reporter likes (laughs) is it yeah the bit, the bit that gets cut, they're like, yeah, it looks like it might have been fun, but survived only in glimpses, spliced into the end credits. Well, th- there's an interesting fact that I found, and I would love to dig a little deeper, but in an interview, Paul said that the original first cut was about four hours and 15 minutes long. Now, I don't know... Did you say four hours and 15 minutes? Yes. Gosh. I don't know, like, if they just... Because, you know, um, at this point... Popcorn Talk has become good friends with John Ottman, and as he says, like it's within his, um, it's in his best interest to cut his movies on his first cut as tight as he can. Mm. And his cu- his rough cuts are usually like only twenty minutes off the mark of what it ends up being. But for a comedy that's supposed to come in close to ninety minutes, as close to it can, for it to come in at four hours and fifteen minutes, you've got a lot of cutting to do. Yeah, and I don't know if like if there's entire scenes <laughs> like what was filmed that made this four hours. And- 15 minutes. How do you even write a script for a comedy that gets to four hours after shooting? I don't know. And all those people you've had to pay, and mm-hmm. all of that, and like I, every single I mean, minute of that, how much it costs. Also, think about how much you could reduce your shooting schedule. Yeah. Because you're essentially filming two of two movies. Yeah. Almost three. Yeah. yeah. Almost. Yeah, and so it's, that's crazy to me to think about. You would think that they would be able to and also, if you had that much footage, why not make it a two-hour movie? Like, it, I, no, don't make no. You, you don't, don't do that. You don't think that this could have been a two-hour movie? I don't think. I, I I highly disagree with most comedies being anything close to two hours. Like an hour forty-five at most. But even like even like a movie like Trainwreck that people love, I thought deserved to be cut down significantly. And I understand Amy Schumer's great in all the scenes and everyone's like. You would do be her doing her such a better service if even those scenes were cut down and you get like the stuff that you le- are left with is all the better for it. I, Nothing. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say my cutoff is about two hours for a comedy. I'm like, if you go over that, even a few minutes over that, I'm probably not gonna enjoy it. But I'll let you go to two hours. But I, I agree, there are movies that they need to be cut. But this one I could have taken a, a 15, 20 more minutes of. Mm. I always think nothing spells panicking director to me like somebody who massively overshoots because like if you if you're a good director you know what you want you know what's gonna like you don't need to overshoot and get all those people to do it over and over again or do lots of scenes that you don't need like you've got a clear vision of what you're doing then you're efficient in shooting that and like you know you shoot things and you shoot with a vision of of what you've got like if you if you're shooting so much stuff that even in your edit You've got four four hours fifteen of stuff in your edit. Um, I, like I, that's just that's a panicking director. I will say there's more reason to overshoot in com- in comedy because you never know what's just not going to land when you get it back. But that's usually more in terms of alternate takes right. or maybe a slightly longer scene uh, to like get in a few more jokes and then you can cut a few out. Uh, but not but but that extreme that it was. That it was at well, any time double length. It just says to me that like they, I, I, there had to be entire plots that were cut from it. And I know that Paul Figa said that there is going to be an extended DVD cut 
uh, when they put it out. Will there be a montage of ghosts being caught on it? Maybe. A long Um, two-hour montage. I did did feel like there was some, there was a beat missing from Abby and Aaron's, uh, like, their whole, like, coming in and out of being being friends. Um, Like, there might have been a a piece that that they, they cut out for time. Um, and maybe they even had, maybe there's a, maybe it was a huge plot that was different and they went back and simplified it with reshoots. No. I do wonder if it's again, back to the cooks in the kitchen situation where they had like the studio wanted X, Y, and Z, and then the director wanted this and they had so many people wanting things that they ended up shooting more and more and more because that's the only reason I can imagine getting to that four hour point was like, okay, we'll shoot what everyone wants and then somehow cut it down. But I don't know. That's still intense. But that's entire. But here's the thing. It's again to like unless this four hours and fifteen minutes is just like totally nonsense. Like at the end of the day, the, the rough cut that you make has to have a flow and be a movie. You don't just like have this scene and then oh let's you know we we shot this alternate version of it so we'll include that in the rough cut as well. Yeah. Like. And I think if you if your rough cut is the kind of length that Quentin Tarantino would phone you up and say I think your movie's too long, then you've really got a problem. So again, I would love I just for my own curiosity, I would love to see this four hours and fifteen minutes. I would also imagine theaters would be upset if they were, let's say, in the craziest universe ever, they were like, let's let's release this four hour movie in theaters. Oh dear lord! No, no distributor would be happy because you're reducing the amount of people who can be in your theater because you're still charging whatever fifteen dollars for a movie. And yeah, you're, you're basically you're dividing your your income by half. Yeah. Because of the length. Yep. Completely. Would not so. work. So, uh, you know, I would love to see an experiment where we're, where, where audiences get to participate a little bit more and, and, and be part of it. Because I, or maybe me, because I know how to, I would, I would tell them how to cut this crap down. I, I feel mean, like I could be good at this. I was happy with what he chose, though, for the most part. I mean, the hour and a half that we yeah. got. Like, it, it worked I, for me. I was. I'm just... I'm just very curious as to what, why it needed to be. Yeah, well, I feel you like would need to now, overshoot and overdo. Yeah, now you'll have to do an anatomy of a movie of the DVD cut. <laughs> I feel like there's something to that story that we're not getting. Like it, it was four hours with just the with with like all the different takes of each scene with the jokes they liked or something like that. There's, yeah. no, there's like there's no that would mean that the script was almost like 200 pages, and there's no way they could put a 200 page comedy script into production. Also, they did a relative... I think they shot this over the course of a summer. It wasn't, like, a huge, long... Like, it wasn't, like, an eight-month shoot to get all this... They had to have it be relatively efficient. It was a normal-length shoot for this kind of film. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll we'll try to dig deeper into it. If you guys um, watching, listening, have any further info, I I would love to know more because right now it's just pure speculation on our end. Um, But what isn't pure speculation is the numbers, of course... Uh, so far, about 61, almost 62 million in North America. That's as of July 20th. Today is July 22nd, so I haven't gotten the full updated numbers. But uh, originally, they, you know, Sony was projecting that Ghostbusters make around 30 million. Then they got a little bit happier, and they were like, you know what, let's bump it up to 40 million. Over the weekend, opening, uh, it came in at 46 million, just shy of making number one with Secret Life of Pets. 
um, which that is a juggernaut right now. Yeah, um, but I think that that is like a kids movie, and it's designed like it's designed for summer. Where this is a movie that has, I think, will have a little more legs. I think it it can go longer. I think Secret Life of Pets has. It's got four legs, yeah. let's just say. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but I do think, I, I, you know, yes, it's a PG-13 movie, but at the same time, I do think, like with Ghostbusters, it can play to both young and old. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, you won't get the uh, the blowjob jokes, but I, I also don't know what blowjob jokes there were in this one. <laughs> so... Yeah, and it was, and you know, it was it was the biggest opening weekend for for the director, but also for Melissa McCarthy, and, and like we were saying, she's a box office draw, so that is substantial. Yeah, kudos to them. Mm. You know, and comedies. I mean, this is this is a good income for a comedy. Com- comedies typically don't make the forty million mark. Yeah, I mean, I, starting off certainly. I'm sure the studio is very happy with this. Like, I can't imagine. Sony being like, mm, could have done better. I think that I would imagine this thrills them. And it will, you, we will probably see sequels because of it, I would guess. The only thing that doesn't uh, thrill them is China not releasing this. They say it's because Ghostbusters 1 and 2 didn't play so well in China, so they're like, we're not going to show it. Is there more to that? I don't know. But, I thought uh, China said no. Like, they, they tried, they submitted it for distribution, and China said, we're not letting you yeah but but what i'm saying is chinese the 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 chinese market is saying that people just don't like ghostbusters here hence why they're not doing it so uh china now has become quite like in terms of international sales that's big draw so you know i mean this is a pretty heavy budget 144 million plus all the advertising that went into this so you know i'm sure it'll make its money back i'm sure it'll make beyond that but uh china could have helped. May I ask you a question that I should have asked like ages ago? But mm-hmm. did you see it in three D or did you see it in regular? I saw I it. Know. I saw it in regular. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the regular thing, but that final scene, I think I would have enjoyed. Liked the it, value. I saw it in three D. And um, they did the tape, they, right? How did that work? Like they they kind of letterboxed. It yeah, they to, did. Um, it, it to be honest, I thought the three D was was pretty bad. Um, there was some, like, that was interesting. I hadn't seen that before. Um, I didn't need it. I didn't need, like, the letterbox, like, that, like, letterbox, like, spilling over aspect. Um, I just think that they just didn't spend enough money on the 3D. Um, the, when, like, just the simple little things, like, when people are, when there's, like, a group of people, it looks like cardboard cutouts in different depth, as opposed to good 3D, like, Marvel spends their money and they really put the effort into 3D so that when you see a group of people, the faces contour. Like, you can see the depth of somebody's face. It doesn't look like it's just one flat image in front of the other. Um, It just, it didn't... There were some cool effects, but overall, I just didn't think the the 3D was satisfactory. How was Slimer? He didn't didn't pop off the screen? I mean, a little bit. Uh, That's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as, like, I... it, It didn't... There was too much like uh, poor poor 3D around it that like I just overall didn't have a good good time with that necessarily. Fair mm. enough. Yeah. It's I, crying out for the ride though, isn't it? With the with the 3D glasses and then when one of the ghosts kind of explodes on you that you get a bit wet and I'm trying to think the 4D what experience. I'm designing it now. Yeah. yeah, I I would guess that would go to Universal. I don't know though because it's a Sony picture, so. Who like who would have the theme park rights to Whoever it? Whoever they sell it to. Yeah. No. 
Well, uh, the good news, I mean, it's got a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 260 reviews, which is actually pre- it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, uh, there's comedies that I thought, like, that are on par with this that have, like, a 28. I feel like so. um, it was more, like, early criticism than it was, uh, yeah. like, right after the film was released. I heard yeah. less criticism about it. It's definitely battling that, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. trying to put a film out in a very high wind or throw a bucket. You know, they're trying to, like, like getting buffeted back the whole way. Then by the time you get there, they're like, oh, it's fine now. Well, but just they just came up against so much resistance. Yeah, well, what I'll, what I'll say to that, like, because I, I, like, I'll be honest, I had my own misgivings about the all-female Ghostbusters when they announced it. Uh, and it, it had nothing to do with, like, a women in the lead role. That, to me, is, like, I, I'm more than happy to see a, a movie with an all-female cast, and I'll probably love it. Uh, to me, it just, it, again, it, it felt like the studio made this decision as a marketing ploy. Um, like, they, they, if I, like, for, if, I'll put it this way. Like, if I was going to, if I set out to make a, a new Ghostbusters movie, me, I would have probably done two and two. Because for the way that I like to create stories, I like to have as many, as much diversity in the cast as possible. And that includes just, like, gender as well as race, all that stuff, because it gives you more room to play with certain things. But when they... And that was the original rumor. So when they when it went from the rumor of a split cast to all-female, it felt like the studio made that decision because they thought it was marketable as opposed to the right choice for a story. Because they made that choice before they had a writer. And that is what set off red flags for me. Which characters would you have flipped? Like I wouldn't. Not, no, not any of these particular characters. Uh-huh. It would have started way before you've developed particular characters. Because this set of four is great. And they play off each other very well. Um, so I don't want to change any of these characters. Because I like what I got out of these characters. But I just... It... it what, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is just like... I felt like the studio was making a decision about this cast that had nothing to do with whether it was going to be the right story and everything to do with this is a more marketable mm-hmm. right. movie. Well, you know, I, I don't think they felt like that for a long time <laughs> after all the tweets. But, you know, uh, CinemaScore is a B plus, so they're, they're, they're on their way there. Um, I wonder how much uh, Ray Parker Jr. is getting makes out of this sort of being back around, and he must be like it's Christmas. Come on, what's brilliant? Well, I mean, so you know what? Uh, the you know you had mentioned earlier you had teased Stephanie that a sequel is coming. Yeah. Um, you know uh, the rap. Uh, the the quote goes from the rap while nothing has been officially announced there's no doubt in my mind a sequel will happen and that's Sony's president of worldwide distribution Rory yeah I Rory Rory Brewer I thought you were just on first name terms with Sony's (laughs) head of distribution like that we're great yeah I think um, this makes sense to me like they set this movie up to start a franchise. There was no doubt in my mind that 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 was the goal in this. Whether it happened or not, that was up to audiences. But it clearly, with, I think, the box office they got, especially for a comedy, I can't imagine them not making a second. So let's let's talk about where they kind of, they threw this in there, um, and we're heading in a direction of, we're going to get a Zool remake. How do we feel about this? 
Now, Stephanie, you have to go channel your 10-year-old self. Who the hell Zool is? I know. I'm trying to... I was like, this is hard oh. to... Yeah, go ahead. It's a Gorney Weaver thing, right? At the yeah. end, yeah. Um, I mean, because that was just that... But it did take me... I was like, hang on, there's well, a Well, Weaver was the, uh, the gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, the key master. The key, key master. master. I had to do some googling to figure that out. Zul was the uh, <laughs> the uh, the the god that came out of the portal, yeah, and uh, then t- uh, turned into Stay Puffed. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they'll do a great job with it. I just don't necessarily need to also go down the same and like why why do we need to now do Zul again? Like, like there's plenty of ideas out there in the universe to to pull from, but. At the same time, I'm not going to be too 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 upset about it. I think they'll do a fine job. It's the same problem that Star Trek too, like the Star Trek Into Darkness mm-hmm. had. Is like you don't need to just make the old ones if you're restarting a franchise. Come up with something new. Um, I like Zool is a great character. I actually think I would have uh, been o- more okay with it in this one than in the next one. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it's also different, too. Like, Zool, you say Zool is a great character, and he is. That's fine. But it's also not, like, Mar- like Iron Man from Marvel. You know what I mean? Like, or something, like, where it's like, oh, we have to have this character in this movie. Otherwise, like, th- this is what Ghostbusters is all about. And if you don't have these characters in there, like, it's just Zool. You can make some other, like, you know, what was the name of the second one? The God? V- oh. Vigo? Vigo. Vigo. <laughs> you know? Make him just... Make a Hugo. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. No, I I definitely obviously didn't even completely remember the whole story, so I had to look it up. But it seemed like something where I would prefer another... I'm sure they will make another Ghostbusters, but I didn't need this film. But if they want to do it, sure. I'm in. <laughs> Listen, I'm in to the, see whatever. The other thing is that like part of the whole thing behind Zool was like uh, Zool comes and then it's... Uh, choose, choose my like, choose the form of your destruction, uh, and that's how we got stay, the Stay Puft monster. Mm. Uh, that's sort of what we did in this one with the Ghostbusters logo, where Patty like more vocally chose the form of their destruction. So you can't you can't just do that again. So then you're just using the name Zool and not the way, not the character, the like, and what it did. So why so why even tread that ground? Unless unless Zool is just one of a pantheon of gods that you're going to mess with. To be fair, they could also skip over that and, and like just start something completely fresh just and just ignore be like that, that scene. Well, ignore it and say like, oh, well, that was just like a a thing, and we solved that. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. No, you'd have to Sigourney Weaver. She's gonna if she's going to have any sort of thing. She's, there's got to be the 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 flip there, hasn't there? There's got to. Well, be. she was already in the movie. I don't think we, she can go from playing someone else to now somebody else. Speaking of, did you guys like the cameos? They bothered mm. me. Oh, I no, I really liked them. Um, I loved all the little nods from the taxi driver through to uh, Bill Murray's character. Obviously, was superb. That it, was it. That was. It well took done, me out of the. It took me out of the movie too huh. much. Like especially Dan Aykroyd. Like the whole like where he just like knows all the terminology for this. That like mind you, they created in this version of the universe. Like they came up with that technology. Or that that terminology. So it took me out of it that he was there referring to them as level five vapors. Um, the only one of the only cameo that didn't like take me out of the scene was Ernie Hudson because he was the only person who was just a guy. Like he had nothing. He didn't have to do anything with the ghosts. He was just. He was upset about his hearse. Yeah, he was there, and he was just like, 
he was a human being who was upset. Like he's like, come on, Patty, I got four funerals to do. He was fun. He was because he was small, and that's the, what the cameo should have been. They were. It was much to me. It was too much. Like, hey, remember this actor? Let me shove it in your face. Oh, see, I never mind a little bit of that, to be honest with you, or like the, the little Ozzy Osbourne moment, or the all the little quirky kind of. Hey, this guy was in it. I was like, oh, that quite brilliant. I'm Not really Ozzy, listening. just like the original cast yeah. showing yeah. I mean, up yeah. always felt heavy handed. Um, although, um, obviously, Rick Moranis because he's so small now uh, since he got shrunk that he um, they couldn't find him to put in the movie. Yeah, you, I saw ten scenes with him actually. I'll show you later. Uh, well, he's retired. He, he, they actually approached uh, Rick Moranis, um, uh, and he said no. He's like, he said, why would I want to do that again? He's also been retired for about 20 years um, yeah. because he's been taking care of his family, um, I think, since his wife passed away. Uh, but I think th- I'm pretty sure that Dean was written for him. Not that exact. They would ch- would have changed it, but I'm pretty mm. sure, like, looking at the roles that are in this, I'm pretty sure he would have been the Dean of that Yeah, that's very astute. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, well, any final thoughts before we, uh, we wrap this up? I think that this is just such a fun movie. Like, yes, there are holes and, and there are some holes and problems in it. We've definitely talked about them. But overall, just something to really go. It has a lot of good laughs. Um, the chemistry between the characters is so enjoyable. Like, there's nothing to like dislike about it it's just your like quintessential summer blockbuster yeah i'm i absolutely agree with you it's just got lovely energy levels i think it's a really fun movie it's a real feel-good movie um every every bit through to you know the the nostalgic moments and uh the kind of newer moments and and i loved the comedy in it yeah I agree with you. And Chris Hemsworth, by the way. Did I mention Chris Hemsworth's in it? (laughs) I think we've brushed over him. I don't think we've really given him the true attention that he deserves. Uh, I stand by uh, what I said at the beginning. There's a lot of uh, great moments in this movie. I love the characters, and I love the the dynamic that they told with it. They were able to tell a good uh, character-based story within this world, um, but ultimately... Uh, there were a lot of flaws in both the story, in both the the storytelling and the comedy, uh, that left me wanting more. Uh, that said, I will definitely be there opening weekend if they make a sequel. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I gotta say I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a great experience. So uh, I'm in for the next one, whatever it is. Um, so, by the way, thank you guys for joining us. Leave a comment. Um, let us know what you guys thought. Most importantly, the question on everyone's mind. What makes, Who are you going to call? No. Oh. What makes Chris Hemsworth look more like a doctor? The saxophone? <laughs> him playing the saxophone or him listening? I think we all need to know. Um, so, again, if uh, we kind of mentioned these. If you want more uh, stuff with Melissa McCarthy, Paul Feig, or kind of Ghostbusters type stuff, uh, we did a Harold Ramis tribute a while ago at this point, obviously when he passed away. Uh, we've done Spy, we've done The Boss, and we also did Zoolander 2, which has Kristen Wiig. Um, for more of Zach's opinions on Ghostbusters, you can check out his weekly sci-fi show, and I'm sure they'll be also talking about Star Trek Beyond, which we will also be talking about next oh, week, yes. as well as Lights Out. Um, in a couple of days, we'll also be talking about Sharknado 4, which I am very excited about. We also just you did worry a, me. We just did an interview with Tara Reid. Um, you can check that out on our Popcorn Talk website as well. It's under the iTalk Movie Series. Sausage Party is coming out. That has Kristen Wiig 
And uh, so lots to discuss, lots in the archives as well, so uh, never never a shortage of content for you. In the meantime, where can people find you, Caroline? At Caroline Faraday on Twitter. Um, Car- I think it's Caroline underscore Faraday. I'm F-E-R, by the way, A-D-A-Y, which now everyone spells my name wrong. Nice. And I'm at Stephanie Wanger, keeping it easy for you guys. That's right, and that's Zach Wilson in the booth. Yep, you can find me at that Zach Wilson, and uh, as Phil was saying, uh, on uh, Popcorn Talks, Sci-Fi Weekly, where, uh, yeah, we will be talking about Star Trek Beyond next Wednesday at 3 p.m. That's right. Thank you guys for joining us, and once again, let us know your thoughts. We love interacting with you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, We'll see you next time on Anatomy of a Movie. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.